and Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, your host, Jeff Floyd, back here. Um, guys, like I said, uh, is you know the, the team gets better. Obviously, all you guys committed to the show, the ratings, the reviews, more listeners, more downloads. I'm going to do everything I can here for you. Um, one of the guys who's kind of been leading the charge here. Uh, you know, to bring the Cleveland Browns uh, more to as a national story. Obviously, we saw it with Hard Knocks, the entire preseason available, uh, you know, as far as, you know, nationally televised games. And it's really picking up steam here. Obviously, as the team excels, you know, more and more people and guys, like I told you, if you looked on Twitter on Sunday, there were team, got people out there watching other games that were blowouts saying, man, I wish you could get this Browns game on. It's picking up steam. And there's people who kind of noticed where this was trending. A guest here this evening, obviously, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, sports, uh, you know, television coverage, radio coverage out in Denver, you know, covers the entire National Football League. Uh, I've got a chance to talk to him in the past, but never on this show. Uh, but uh, Ben Albright, uh, Ben, I do appreciate you taking some time here for me this evening, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, now, now, Ben, obviously, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll jump right into it here. Uh, you were huge uh, as far as Baker Mayfield and what you thought he could be on this level. Um, so, you know, obviously that's probably where you, you feel good, you know, putting the stamp on the Browns that you are. Um, but is it safe to say that Baker Mayfield, even anybody who is extremely high on him, what we've seen to this point may have surpassed those expectations? I think at some point. Um, I think if you look at, you know, what he's doing on the field, uh, the production will catch up with the traits. The traits have been good so far. You know, you look at him and you see what he can do. Um, you know, with how quickly he's able to reset, you know, look off, pump, and then, and then reset. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that those traits will allow him productivity as the game slows down for him at this level and all that kind of stuff. Not that he hasn't been hyperproductive already, but, um, you know, that, that you'll start to see that, that even more. I, I see a guy who compares very favorably, and I always hate doing player comparisons because I think they, you know, you set a guy up for failure with that, but, uh, I think guy in terms of traits and what he brings to the table compares very favorably to Drew Brees. I've always said that. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're seeing that. I think we see a guy that resets quickly and processes quickly. And those are, you know, two of the more vital um, traits in the modern NFL versus, you know, being tall and having a big arm, you know, which were the two traits of yesteryear. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. And I think one thing that people, even if you did like him and, and you thought you'd do well in the league is I don't think every, you know, the Cleveland situation, you know, a lot enough is put into that and what he's done here. Because even up until that, he went into that game, that Thursday night game, everybody was geeked for the game. Tyrod Taylor was out there putting up, you know, another snoozing effort. And you know, I have guys, I have listeners, I've had guests on the show who were in the building that night and and really contemplated whether or not there were people who were starting to stretch their legs with two minutes to go, who were thinking about it's Thursday night. I've seen this act one too many times. I'm seriously considering about whether or not I'm going to turn this into a midnight or one o'clock in the night, you know, one o'clock in the morning, evening, or am I just going to catch bait because I, you know, catch bait, get the heck out of here because I've seen this tale one too many times. Tyrod goes down, insert number six, and it literally went from a game that literally looked like it was almost, you know, on pause to a game that went to hyper speed, hyper fast forward. And Baker just absolutely hit the ground running. I think maybe it was to his advantage that he was able to jump into a two minute offense because look, I mean, Baker, that is the style he likes. He plays at a rapid pace, but it was just an absolutely completely different product for the 10 quarters since he went in to the previous 10 quarters before he didn't. 
Well, yeah, um, and he's he's got the the arm and the willingness to to challenge the intermediate and deep routes that you know Tyrod Taylor just doesn't or Tyrod or whatever he's calling himself now. It was Tyrod when I interviewed him at the Shrine. No, game. nobody's uh, going to worry about his name when he's QB two. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the thing about you know the thing about it is Baker has the 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 eyesight and he has the arm and the ability to challenge you know to different tiers of the field that, uh, that Tyrod just doesn't. You know, Tyrod was a guy that. Um, you know, is what he is. He dragged a, a Buffalo Bills team kicking and screaming to the playoffs last year, but um, I don't think that he's the guy that they wanted him to be. He's just not going to challenge you down the field. He has the mentality of an Alex Smith, and when he does let it go down the field, he's wild off target. Um, you know, he's a guy who's got uh, mobility, and w- when the pocket breaks down, he can, you know, he can try to buy a little time, but um, you know, he's just not your traditional pocket, you know, read the field, traditional pocket passer. And um, I think he was a poor fit for what Todd Haley wanted to do, where Baker's significantly better fit. Yeah, and I think we've already noticed that. And they're already mixing in new things with this. And for me, you know, you know, I guess I'm kind of stubborn and old school. And, you know, the height concerned me, hand size. And then you released all that stuff from Mobile. I was like, all right, well, he met six feet. The hand size met where we needed to be. I, you know, I kind of got, all right, all right, I, I'm getting more in, I'm seeing what you guys are seeing. And then, you know, when they did draft him, I went back and I watched some. And, and I think one of the most impressive throws I saw him make last year was the uh, throw in the Rose Bowl to Flowers. Um, you know, Flowers was coming across the back line of the end zone, and Baker just had the intelligence to just kind of take two more steps to the left to basically help Flowers create the window and then just whipped it. And I was, you know, and as I went back, I was like, all right, you know, I said, maybe I let my biases get to me. You know, quarterback should look like this. But everything we've seen to this point, look, I, th- I thought all three of these top, I-, I thought the top three guys in this class were going to be fantastic. It, you know, it was just a basic a preference order, which you're allowed, obviously, when you have the number one overall pick. But after going back again and looking at that throw, I realized it might have been low. But man, he has done nothing to this point to disappoint. And the craziest thing is, you know, we were like, all right, Tyrod's playing. We're not really playing the best quarterback, but he's not gone on to be the better quarterback. He's gone on to be the best player of this offense in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, and, and that's, I, I think he ties together what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, when Baker's on the field, um, what they're trying to do would be able to uh, challenge to all three levels of the passing game and, and keep safeties out of the box to open you up for the run game. Um, you know, I think those are all things that, that he ties together what they're trying to do, where, where Tyrod just didn't have that ability to do that. Uh, it's not to say that Tyrod can't thrive in the right offense, um, but he, he's just not built for the one they're trying to run. Um, and you could see it. I mean, in terms of yards per play, as soon as uh, Baker took over, they, they went up, you know, 0.8 yards uh, per play on offense. So, um, you know, it's it's pretty obvious the uh, what he's been able to do in terms of revamping that offense. Like I said, getting almost uh, almost a full yard per play more uh, out of the offense when Baker's in there—that's huge. And yes, and I mean, and this was you know it was you know with Tyrod it was a lot of second and nine, and then it was third and eight, and you're asking a quarterback who is not you know an elite reader, and there's he has blind spots on the field, and it just ended up putting that spot, and you know you see a guy like David Najoku who's you know look the drops are still there, and he's still a young kid finding his way, but he's you know he excels between the hash marks. Baker loves that spot of the field, and you're seeing guys. Uh, the one thing that I'm really noticing, and it comes off impressive. And this goes back to, uh, you know, Fells catching Baker's first career touchdown because we went through this entire, you know, uh, preseason. I'm like, stop throwing the ball to Fells. It's just nothing's working to it. But he don't care who you are. If you're an eligible receiver and you ran your route and you're in the spot where it's open, 
you're getting the ball. He don't care. So like, I mean, everybody on this team, it's you know, it's either make or break. Because if you can get open, Baker's going to find you. Whether or not you catch it and stick around is going to be up to you ultimately. Well, right, and that's you know, that's kind of the thing. Um, you know, that's that's who he is. The modern NFL needs the quarterback to be more than a quarterback. He needs to be a point guard. You're a pass distributor. You know, put the ball in the hands of your guys and let them make the plays because, you know, the bulk of the passes are going to be short. We're not going deep. Uh, we're not going 40 plus yards. You know, 10 times a game anymore. Um, so, you know, you need to work effectively in the mid to short. And you know, he's got the accuracy to do that, the vision to do that, um, and then he he has the arm to challenge you deep. You know, when they need to, and so. Um, I, I think having the mentality of being a guy who can be a, a facilitator, be a point guard that has the ability to challenge you deep is the, the prototype for, for quarterbacks going forward. I think you're going to find that quarterbacks going forward are going to look for shorter quarterbacks, uh, and the reason for that is uh, this idiotic notion that you're looking over your line um, you know, is, is ridiculous. You're actually passing through the splits, but you're also, if you're a shorter quarterback, you can reset your feet more quickly. So muddier pockets aren't going to bother you as much because you don't need as much room to have a clean pocket. Uh, whereas these tall guys with these you know, long legs and huge wide bases, they do need that. Uh, so if you're able to generate ball velocity um, out of a guy who's shorter, you know, in the 6'2 range, 6'1 range, 6'0 range, I, I think that's going to be the archetype of the quarterback in the future moving forward. Uh, you make you, you make a lot of sense, and you know, it basically you know have that be- baseball background where it's you know quick boom ball out to the spot. Uh, guys, uh, we are sponsored here this evening by Swap.com. Uh, for me, apparent this is huge, huge. Uh, we we've gone on with this site, and it's and it's huge. It works out well for us. Um, it's crazy. We pay so much money for brand name clothes. I have an 11 year old daughter about to be 12 who is growing like a weed every three months. She grows out of everything. So we pay all this money for clothes that they only need for a few months. Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? There is. It's called Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Stop driving to the store. Stop driving to strip malls. Uh, it's easy to sift through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find exactly what you need by size, by brand, you know, by type of clothing, pants, hoodie, whatever it is. Over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. Shopping uh, secondhand at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment, which is something that you can feel good about that you're doing. Also, you can help save yourself some money. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store, thrift store like I mentioned. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on your favorite brands, you know, like you know, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap, all that type of stuff. Quality, hand-inspected items are added daily. If something doesn't fit, you will easily be able to return it within 30 days. Uh, for my uh, for my listeners, we have a special offer here. Get 35% off select items for your first order with the promo code Locked On. Plus, find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage, guys. Swap.com. Uh, guys, like I said, we are here with Ben Albright. We are, you know, breaking down the beginning of the Baker Mayfield era here in Cleveland. Uh, all the players are buying in. Uh, offense, defense, it's all working out well. Ben, there's one here that came from a lot of the listeners today, and this is probably still the, the big nervous point here. Hugh Jackson. Um, look, he's gotten himself to the point where he's earned to drive the bus for the rest of the 18 season. Would I, maybe if you can put a percentage on it or whatever? I mean, I know you know John, John Dorsey. You know, as much as you follow the Chiefs and follow everything that they do, do you think they're percentage-wise realistic? Is Hugh Jackson playing for a job, or is Hugh Jackson getting this? 
project on the road so they can sell it to somebody who can drive it all the way home. And by home, we're talking possibilities at Lombardi's. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, you're trying to see if you can, Hugh is and or can be that guy and then couple that with the fact that uh, if he's not, uh, that you can sell it to somebody who will be. Um, you know, I, I've talked extensively over the last couple of weeks. One of the hottest names in, uh, in coaching this coming off season is going to surprise a lot of people, and it's going to be Jim Schwartz. Um, you know, he's a guy that's uh, – there's a relationship there, and he, he's a guy who I think um, would be eyed for that position if um, – you know, if if you were to be gone from and and before you know you jump into that saying, well, I want an offensive coach. Jim Schwartz has shown an ability to work with guys with uh, with, with offensive coaches before. Now, uh, Scott Linehan was his offensive coordinator when he was head coach in, in Detroit, and that was back when what Scott was running was was actually kind of vogue. Um, you know, for the league, what Scott does now is fairly predictable, and you know, I don't know that he would be the guy, maybe a quarterbacks coach more so than an offensive coordinator, but. Um, you know what they what they do, um, but, but Jim has not. He's not a guy who uh, is a defensive coach who says, you know what, we're just going to line up in the eye and run it, you know, on offense. And then he's not a John Fox, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I would not be opposed if I were uh, a Browns fan to to that name. Um, I think that you just need to look at, you know, what did Schwartz in was a bunch of injuries to guys that he had. And he did, they didn't have a lot of depth up there. So um, you know, I think you need to look at. You know what it is that's the strength of your team. What's what's the strength of this Browns team right now? Well, the strength of it is the defense. Um, you know they they have a top eight defense in the NFL right now, and so you know you need to find a coach that can maximize that while at the same time bringing along the areas of the team that are weaker. And you know I think he's a guy that could do that. That's not to say an offensive coach wouldn't be a bad get or a bad idea. Um, it's just one that that I think that if you look at all the factors, um, you want to make sure that you don't take the best part of your team right now, which is that aggressive defense, uh, and turn it into an afterthought while trying to build up, um, you know, a young offense. So I think if you can find a defensive coordinator who's, uh, you know, who's aggressive and willing to, willing to play, um, willing to play one high or cover three football, I think that would be a good get. And then you know, pair him with an offensive coordinator who is not afraid of the pass game. Um, you know, who's not afraid to spread it out horizontally and, and play and cater to bigger strength. So if you can find that combination, I think that's what you need to look at going forward. Now, that's not to say that he won't be the guy, but at this point, um, from what I've heard, it would be unlikely that he would be the guy. Okay. All right. Um, now, uh, since you hit on the defense here, um, look, uh, and, you know, you, you put this out there, and, you know, a lot of people are going back to the Oakland, and nobody is actually looking at the way that game unfolded. Uh, you know, uh, the Browns offense essentially handed the Raiders offense 17 points. So, you know, everybody, oh, well, that day. And, yes, I mean, but the gate, you know, Derek Carr threw for over 450. Well, the game did go, you know, did go almost 70 minutes. And the Raiders were trailing by a ton for a long time. So it, it, it came to that. And they came right back in one week and showed extremely well uh, against a Ravens team that had just handed the Steelers their lunch the weekend before. But besides Miles Garrett here, um, give me some things here that are standing out to you on this defense. But then the thing that I'm, I'm kind of noticing from last year is, is there was there was some growth towards a good defense. There wasn't enough teeth to it. But now I think they're more confident and they can go a little deeper. Um, I, well, I mean, they haven't really shown so much of the defensive line, but with the rest of it, the linebacking core and the secondary, it's a little bit deeper and they're a little more comfortable getting guys some blows. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um... 
you have an aggressive front four. Um, you know, Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi are, are longtime starters. They're going to be there for a while. Agba looks like a guy who can be there as well. You probably need a you know a fourth defensive tackle. There's there's some solid depth there, but no guy that jumps out at me as being the fourth guy. You know, uh, on that line. Um, it, it, at least it's not replaceable. Um, there are guys that have talent there. There's a couple guys, you know, Meter, Coley, whatever, that, that are okay. But, um, I, you know, I don't view them as elite, non-replaceable players. Um, the other three that are there, yeah, definitely. And then you look at the linebacking core, it's a little suspect. Um, Collins isn't what he was once billed as. We, uh, Cleveland got to see nothing of the Jamie Collins version in New England. Nothing of it. Right, right. And, and you get, you know, you get some other guys that are replacement-level players. Kurtz looks okay. Um, you know, Schobert has looked like a guy with a nose for the football, even though he's limited athletically at times. Um, with so, the Raiders show. You know, that, uh, what's that? Which, that's exactly what the Raiders showed with, J- with Jared. Right, right, right. And then, uh, you know, you look in that secondary. Now, the secondary's got some talent in it, especially they, they went out and made a dedicated effort to bring in uh, secondary talent, specifically ball-hawking secondary talent that could play on an island if they needed to, guys like Ward. Um, you know, bringing Randall in at free safety and trying to try him out with uh, with the rotation there. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, you got a defensive tackle and, and a couple of linebackers you need to kind of, um, you need to kind of maybe replace. But other than that, you know, this defense is pretty rock solid. Uh, it's got the right personnel. It's got the right fits. And, and they've got the athleticism to compete in the modern NFL. And you see in that where they're shutting teams down over and over again. Uh, the Raiders notwithstanding. Now, the Raiders offense surprisingly is actually eighth in the NFL in yep. yards per play. Um, they're they're actually a fairly decent offense that, that doesn't get the credit because they don't win football games and uh, they've ended up turning the ball over in the red zone a few times, which they didn't really do against them uh, that that often against Cleveland. So uh, you know, it, it, having a one-off game where you gave up a few points, you know, whatever. It, the Cleveland Browns defense is a top eight defense in the league, and if anybody tries to tell you otherwise, you can immediately stop the conversation and not waste your time because they have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, uh, now Todd Haley. Um, look, obviously, you know you're familiar with him. Obviously, you know as much as you follow the Chiefs and former head coach there. But obviously, a long, long resume as far as being around the league. Um, we're we're perplexed, you know, watching this team week in, week out, and we get we're seeing Carlos Hyde over and over again, and we're not we're getting 3.5 yards per carry, and we get a couple of big runs. And even last week, there were a couple of big runs early. I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to take some heat on the show because Carlos Hyde's going to put a good up, good effort up. And then at the end of the day, there it is again. You check it out. Carlos Hyde, 3.7 yards per carry. Duke Johnson, this front office, went ahead and handed a contract extension to. Handed more money to. This team drafted Nick Chubb, 37th overall. So obviously they had a lot of faith in both these guys. But the, the question is, is where is it when it comes to games? Because we're seeing a, 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 you know, a lesser athlete get a huge, huge piece of the meal. And these other two you know, younger guys... More athletic, you know. Obviously, Chip, Chubb has shown, it, you know, he can do some things. Duke Johnson has a, you know, a resume here of doing some things, but yet there, there seems to be a reason that Todd Haley's not going to him. You know, whether it's a combination between he, him and Hugh both agreeing on it, but why aren't these guys being incorporated more? And when, hopefully, can they start to be incorporated more? Well, you know, I, I think they're trying to use Chubb to, you know, kind of ride him out while they're still working the kinks out. Um, they'll work Chubb in until he figures it out. He, he, he gashed a couple of big wins, and they got people a little more excited. Uh, but he struggles with his vision at times. That's that's kind of been an issue. I'd like to see them get him some more carries. But, you know, game flow dictates what it is. And he's not as good at, um, you know, pass blocking as a couple of the other guys. So, 
you know, waiting for him to, um, you know, to kind of become the guy is, uh, it, it stinks, you know, you, you've got all this hope and everything else, uh, you know, about it, but, um, it, it, it's still a situation where you're waiting on him to become the guy. So he's got to show it practice before he, you know, before you know it, if that makes sense. Okay. Now Duke Johnson, is this a guy who fits a Todd Haley offense? Not really. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen Todd Haley, um, he, he likes those running backs. If they are, they're going to catch the swing out of the backfield, but that's really about it. Um, and Duke is more versatile than that. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him and, uh, you know, wind up in a place where they, they'll use him creatively, um, you know, uh, with a, with a uh, coach that's shown that they'll split the um, – uh, the running back out to the slot, that kind of stuff, you know, um, Indianapolis would be a good fit for him, um, where he can be a, you know, be a 10, 15 touch a game guy, um, between the runs and the passes, you know, um, I just, I don't know, you know, I like him. I just don't really a fit for Todd Haley. So you bring a different OC in maybe, um, but in this offense, unfortunately his skill set's going to get a bit wasted. Although, uh, with receivers going down the way they have been, you might need to throw him out there. Well, they might have no choice, you know, but doing it that way. So then, I guess the the extension for you is kind of was a little bit puzzling. Uh, I don't know that it was puzzling. I get what they're you know what they're doing is trying to you know give a good player money, but um, you know at the same time, I think that uh, um, it, it, maybe he didn't fit exactly what it was that they're you know they're trying to do. I, I get, I, I get. Um, the concept of it, and I, I get what you're trying to do, but at some point you have to make use of what you spent that money on, you know. Yeah, and, and that just seems the thing. I mean, you know, because there were talks that you know, you know, and it seemed to me like Duke was hoping for the extension. Duke got the extension. Where there were maybe talks of you know, there were places that we, he would be a good fit. They gave him the extension, and everybody was excited. It was like, all right, you know, they want Duke. They're going to use him, and you know, it just seems you know more often than not. And even the little run he got in overtime Sunday. I think they, that that was maybe them just saying, "Hey, you want to know what? He's the most rested guy on the field right now. Everybody else is gas. We're at the 65th minute mark. We're in our third overtime game now in five weeks. Here we go. We'll let him go out there." And, and they did, and it produced. And it, it, and you may have a point and a solid point where it may be more of a they don't have a choice now, but to you know kind of create a role for Duke Johnson because there are some injuries. Guys, uh, locked on Browns here. We have Ben Albright on breaking down you know the beginning of Baker mania here in Cleveland. Uh, you know Ben has been very high on the uh, you know on Baker and on the defense here, and you know pushing the Cleveland Brown product that we all think that we have something special here. Uh, you know, Ben's definitely on board that. Guys, Cavalier basketball uh, preseason up. You know opening day not uh, opening tip not too far away. Chris Manning locked on Cavaliers does a fantastic job over there. Go ahead check that on out for everybody. Uh, ben, I do have one more big one before I kind of let you go here. Um, when you know the basically the the off season market opened last year. It was a Friday. Uh, I was out with some people, and you know, uh, I kind of basically had to seclude myself to the corner because John Dorsey just went on an absolute trading binge, making three moves within a couple of hours of each other. Um, are we expecting uh, any activity here? Do you do you think they have their eyes on anything in season, or, or are they you know more focused towards still a ton of cap room, still got some solid draft capital? We're going to continue to build that way. Or could there be a possibility for a shakeup here? Because I mean, there's been some re- receivers available. Haven't you know? Nothing's materialized yet to that point. Is it something they're looking to do, or could trade deadline be quiet and more of an off-season type of fix? I think it's going to be more of an off-season kind of thing. You're not going to see the frenzy that you saw at the free agency, which was uh, done over the course of a period of time. They were attempting to create a splash by doing so and get people to notice Cleveland, and it worked. 
the idea there was to uh, to say, hey, we're we're a credible organization that's uh, that's looking to compete again. And so the idea was to tie those moves back to back to back. Hey, we're changing the the way things are going here. We're going to be competitive this season and kind of tip off free agents that that's the case. Um, as far as the trade deadline goes. You may see them work something out with Arizona. Arizona's got a couple of linebackers on the block, and, and of course, you know, uh, Cleveland needs to get, um, you know, more athletic in their linebacking core. Well, it's better overall in the linebacking core, but, um, you know, so you could see a Dale Buchanan or, or a Hassan Reddick, um, you know, potentially get traded for. Um, you know, Arizona basically needs everything, so, um, <laughs> you know, so. It's, it's not a sit. Right. It's not a situation where there's a shortage of, you know, uh, where there's a dearth of, of, of talent or whatever. It's it's just a situation where, um, you know, Arizona stinks and, and they've got a few pieces that Cleveland could use. So you may see something along those lines. Uh, there's been some whispers back and forth that they're after one of the linebackers there. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily going to happen, but I would say that, uh, that Cleveland's out there making inquiries and they are generally and genuinely believe that they are a wild card team and are trying or playing like it and you can't blame them i mean look two two and one through five um we'll give you this last one here before we put a bow on it um two two and one like i said through five uh look i, I i'm not one of these ones and the guys oh nine and seven i, I mean i'm just not there yet because i think what it is is i get so excited you know after each week's performance and then, you know, as the high starts to mellow down a little bit, I look a little bit more and more. And, and I'll admit, I thought it was going to be you know, an 8-10 to 10 point loss to Baltimore. I wasn't sure they were ready for a fight like that, uh, you know, of a team is, you know, with Baltimore, you know, who's strong and has basically handed them, you know, their lunch for years now. Um, realistic, where do you think this team fits, 2-2-1 two, two and one through 5? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, got uh, 11 more to go. What do you think a realistic record, you know, is the way they're trending right now? Well, they've got a fairly tough schedule, but the reality is, is Cleveland is a team that could be 5-0 and right now. If it weren't for two late-game missed field goals and a league-admitted bad call early whistle, they would be 5-0. and uh, So, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, <laughs> you're 2-2-1, two, two and one, and so it, it's tough to say that you're going to wind up with 13 wins. I don't think that's the case at all, but, you know, I think 9-10 to 10 wins is not all over the realm of possibility at all. I would be disappointed with anything less than 8. Oh wow! So I mean, I mean, the bar isn't raised. I mean, the bar, the bar, it's gone from you know the squat bar on the floor to the squat bar is you know raised. I mean, the deadlift over the head now is how how we've gone. Uh, <laughs> just I mean, it's crazy the way it changed, and obviously within ten quarters, and finally getting to see your guy, and then just a couple of words about the other guys: Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. I, I don't even want to bring up Josh Josh Allen right now because I think he's getting reps that he needs. And whatever comes of it, comes of it. And you know, obviously, Buffalo is going to have to have a monster offseason to help him out there. But Rose and Darnold, what have you seen so more uh, so far there as, as far as the rest of the rookie class quarterbacks? Well, you know, with Darnold, it's it's just a young guy who hasn't had many reps. Um, you know, the, the, the traits there um, show a quarterback that's kind of a you know a young Tony Romo. Uh, if his intellect and mental game catches up to his physical traits, Darnold could be something special. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's kind of got that knack for when the play breaks down for finding things. Um, so he's, he's kind of got that it factor. It's just a question of, you know, learning to identify coverages pre-snap and, and, and watching what happens post-snap and knowing where to go with the football. Um, you know, I, as far as Rosen goes, uh, I'm a little less impressed. I know everybody goes gaga over him for some reason. He's, he was the media guy for this past draft for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm a little less impressed with him. Part of that's because he's, you know, he's wasting away in that Mike McCoy offense. McCoy will probably be the first guy fired this year. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 terrible, but. Um, 
you know, I, I think that uh, Rosen certainly a serviceable starter in this league. You know, don't get me wrong; he's not Josh Allen bad, um, or hasn't been Josh Allen bad this far. Um, you know, Allen has been absolutely ludicrously bad. Uh, a 1.6 quarterback rating under pressure, a 5.7 quarterback rating outside the pocket. Uh, you know, you get a 39 just spiking the football. So uh, that's showing how bad, just how truly historically bad he has been. Uh, I don't know. You didn't want to touch on that, but it's it's worth it's worth noting or mentioning. I think at least. Um, but you know, I, the Browns made the right choice uh, so far. Anyway, everything has borne out that the Browns made the absolute right choice taking Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and, and there's just you know, there's just no way whatsoever you could possibly think any different. And you know, the Denzel Ward selection. Uh, you know, me, I was just a little nervous, and just a tad bit undersized. But I mean, the kid is an absolute playmaker. And he's gone in week in, week out, and he is playing great receivers. And there's more to come with a Mike Evans, a Julio Jones. He's going to face everybody. So, you know, he's getting a baptismal by fire. And at this point, the kid is, you know, coming up smelling roses. Ben, I want to thank you so much for your time here this evening, guys. Ben Albright was kind enough to join us here. Uh, you know, everybody knows who he is. You know, radio, uh, radio TV reporter, uh, obviously out in Denver, Colorado. Uh, you know, national NFL, you know, guy as well, covers everything there. So, guys, go ahead make sure you check out everything Ben does. The Locked On Browns uh, Twitter account, guys, please. I always keep it a follow-back account. It's the best way to keep in touch with you guys. You know, give me the ideas that you want. Go ahead, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, we will be recording tomorrow night. We don't normally do Fridays, but I do have my favorite, char- favorite Charger guy lined up. We're going to sit down tomorrow night, break down. Uh, we'll do that for the pregame tailgate show. Uh, until we talk again, guys, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.